At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. But anyway, we've got Michelle Gerard, head U.S. economist for uh, NatWest Markets, and Mike Ozanian, assisting managing editor, Forbes Media, and co-host of Forbes Sports Money on the Yes Network. Mike Ozanian, uh, Yanks lost another pitcher last night. It's not good. Yeah, I think our yeah, I think our rotation is still pretty deep. Um, we don't have Severino, uh, but uh, I still think we're in pretty good shape. We'll see what happens. We'll see how Armand does. If he can rebound and get back into the rotation stronger. Um, good thing is we're in good shape. We uh, looks like we'll get a buy in that first round. Be one of the top two teams, which means. If you get into the best out of five or best out of seven, you may only need three starters. So uh, call me the eternal optimist. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's funny. You, you listen to sports talk radio and, and Yankee fans are going hyperbolic. At, you know, they can't beat the Astros and we've got a couple of inju- injuries, you know. But, you know, if you would have asked me before the season started, would I take where we are right now? I would have signed up immediately. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't even think we'd win the division at the beginning of the year, quite frankly. I thought Toronto looked stronger. And, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is always strong, the epitome of a money ball team uh, with that low payroll. But, you know, here we sit and we have perhaps the MVP of the league and Aaron Judge. Yeah. He's uh, and our bullpen's been great throughout almost the entire season. So, you know, look – once the playoffs start and once you get to September and October, it, it's often who's the hottest team, right, Larry? We saw that with the Braves last year. The first yeah. half of the year, they, they did nothing. Then they came and just stormed right through the postseason. So I, I think we're in good shape, and we'll, we'll see how healthy we are once the playoffs start, and I think that'll probably be the key. Michelle, forgive us, but I can't help myself when I have Mike Ozanian, who's just the no, best. No, we're we're Yankees fans as well. Oh, Watching good. the captain, we're all you know, we're all we're all in for sure. So, by the way, uh, Mike DJ LeMahieu's really coming on now. That's very important. He is. He's, He's going really back to how on. he was a couple of years ago. That's right. Yeah. Um, and that he if he gets on huge key. Right, he gets on base and Judge hits a home run. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> I watched it last night. I saw both homers. It was really something. It was a lot of fun. So, Michelle, uh, I don't want you to feel ignored because we love you. <laughs> and I'm just going to ask you a simple question. We're going to get the GDP report when, Thursday or Friday? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And is, are we in a recession? It's going to be a I'm neg- say, second negative quarter? Is- is the economy as healthy as the Yankees? I was thinking <laughs> as you were going forward right. um, as, as we were talking. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this report's going to be important. We, um, you know, obviously because after Friday's very disappointing uh, data globally as well as in the in the U.S., the recession fears have, again, growth fears have, have moved to the fore. And so, you know, we go into looking for this GDP report um, on Thursday with 
we already have a, a negative print in Q1. Now, that print is very misleading because in the first quarter, you had a big drag from trade, some of the volatile categories, and, and actually underlying um, you know, private consumption and, and investment looked good. Um, but, but the bottom line is we've got a negative quarter in Q1, and in the second quarter, the consensus is looking for a gain of only seven-tenths of a percent. We're, we're a bit stronger at one and a half, hmm. but it's the flip side. I mean, it looks better on the headline. Underlying doesn't look so good. And the, and the point I was only making is when you're looking at numbers that low, sort of anything can happen. You could get another negative print, and that will, you know, um, talk about hyperbolic. I mean, that will – the talk of recession if you, act, you know, have – two back-to-back negative quarters. That isn't the official definition of recession, but it's always kind of a rule of thumb. And I think that, you know, that's what people will be um, will be watching for. I, I don't think we're in a recession. I actually think the, um, you know, the underlying economy absolutely has cooled. Um, but consumers in particular have shown a little bit more resilience. I'm more worried about recession in 2023 than mm-hmm. I am that we're in a recession now. But I, but again, getting back to this week will be important because of, because of the focus on just, you know, on, on where we exactly stand and, and, and is the economy actually, you know, continuing to grow or have we already slipped? I mean, it looks like, uh, I mean, you're, you're right. Uh, the the C plus I was pretty strong in Q1, right? But that looks lousy now. I mean, real wages are falling and real retail sales are falling. Manufacturing last two months uh, fell, yeah. And um, and I th- you know I I think the econ- I, I think we're in the front end of a recession, but yeah. I. Th- I, you know, it just it doesn't look good. Business, business equipment, we'll see what that comes out. But the reports from these Fed regional surveys are very discouraging. Very discouraging. So they're looking at just private sector consumption and investment. We grew 3% in the first quarter, and we're going to be down to around 1% in the second quarter. So definitely a downshift there. And as you said, looking ahead, the setup isn't isn't positive. Um, the surveys themselves, uh, you know, if you look at surveys in the regional reports on um, plans for to to um, uh, spend, you know, to invest going forward, it suggests we've got uh, capital spending flat in the second quarter. And the, and given what cons- uh, businesses are saying about how they're not going to be spending and investing going forward, it's a, I would expect that will turn negative as we move into the second half of the year. Uh, and and I think even the the resilience of the consumer, I think, reflects some pent up spending or, or spending in the pipeline. I, I keep saying I think people uh, made a lot of plans this summer to travel and to do things having not been able to do so the last couple of years and they were going to take those trips um, because again they they hadn't been able to and they were looking forward to it but but when you think about what spending isn't in the pipeline and, and new spending if you will you know are we going to plan another big trip next year are we going to you know the holiday shopping season I think consumers are going you know the concern they have about the outlook will show itself and you will see more conservative behavior and so i i that's what i'm saying i, I think we're i would agree with you a great way to characterize it i think we're on the front end of, of of what will ultimately be um i think probably a dip into a downturn and mike ozanian um let us assume the fed raises 75 basis points in their meeting on wednesday 
but what is the and people are talking about we've seen peak inflation but is inflation really going to come down because you could be setting up a, what Milton Friedman said many years ago inflationary recession I mean, the fact that we're in recession does not mean we've solved inflation necessarily. I think that the rate of inflation could go down a little bit, but it's still going to be high and problematic. I do think, though, the uh, focus ahead is shifting from rising inflation to a slowdown or a recession in the economy. I think you're seeing that with the inverted yield curve. You're seeing that uh, with consumers in terms of over a third of them now saying that, uh, you know, they're having trouble meeting their bills. You're seeing it in earnings revisions where you have that are dependent on consumer spending, like Darden Restaurants, which just drastically lowered its earnings revisions for this year. So I think that's the bigger uh, potential downfall to uh, the stock market and investors is really the economy right now. If the look, the Fed, if it does what it's saying it's going to do in terms of reducing its balance sheet, you're seeing what that's doing to the housing market. Lots of bad news there with how with mortgage rates, with uh, housing starts. So I think the consumer is being hurt. You already mentioned uh, real wages. We we also saw it with the national income accounts with corporate profits. Those are down on an annualized rate in the first quarter. Productivity was down significantly in the first quarter. So I I think the focus really now is is on the economy as the Fed at least tries to lower interest rate, uh, you know, raises interest rates to lower inflation. The economy is really my my biggest concern right now. By the by, um, stocks did go up this past week. The Dow was up uh, 611, NASDAQ up 382, the S&P 500 up 98. The S&P benchmark is now down 17% uh, year to date. So it's bear market territory, if not exactly a bear market. Mike, so I just want to continue this. The Fed's going to jack up rates by 75 bips, I guess. Uh, and then the next day, there's going to be a recession report or close to it. What kind of position does that put the Fed in? Will they keep their anti-inflation manhood? Uh, I think they will, but I think that their manhood is misplaced, if you will. I think their manhood has been, first of all, they were late to the game. Secondly, I think they've used the wrong formula. I think instead of focusing on interest rates, they should have been focusing on the money supply. Mm -hmm. All they had to do was open the notes to see Paul Volcker's playbook that began in the late 70s and then, of course, in the early 80s, where he focused on the money supply growth rather than interest rates. He let the market set interest rates. And he realized if he got the money supply down, he, he would be able to get inflation down. This Fed doesn't seem to understand that. Uh, and, and that's why going back to your point on the earlier segment, I don't think inflation is, is dead. I don't think they have the remedy for it. Uh, and I think by with their interest rate policy, I think, look, the flash report from the Atlanta Fed is for, I think it's a two and a half or 2.3 percent decline in second quarter GDP. One point six. Great, tran- one, great, one, great track record. One point six. Great track record. Um, uh, well, Q2 me, and then uh, uh, was it 2.1% in Q2 and 1.6 in Q1 or one, is it reversed? It's, no, it's actually 
the flash is one point minus one point six as of July nineteenth, and that actually is the same. First quarter was right. was minus one point six. I think that's right, Michelle. Yeah, um, that's right. Exactly. Just, Michelle, I, I'm going to ask. It's unfair to say, but what is Wall Street thinking about inflation? I, I, I mean, I'm really more interested in what you're thinking because you're smarter than Wall Street. No, but but, but like Mike that, said, I mean, the, the, it has shifted, right? I, I do think that the shift, the the market has shifted from its its concerns about inflation to concerns about recession, and they think recession will help on the on the. Uh, inflation front um and and so you know you can if you look at pricing for for the fed it it, you know markets do expect the fed to continue to raise interest rates through this year but but are anticipating they'll have to reverse course and and cut rates in 2023 because the economy will have slowed or slipped into an outright recession um i just I just don't think it's going to be so straightforward. I think it's going to be very challenging for the Fed. I mean, you talk, I mean, Larry, you've been right. We had thought we'd see the peak in inflation. Um, I had thought we'd see the peak high numbers a couple, you know, two months ago. We've, it's gone a bit further. I never, I, I always thought, though, that inflation like you was going to be more persistent. I mean, I, I think it'll come down. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to come down to where they need it to come down. And so, if I look ahead, I think the Fed is going to face a really difficult um, decision. I mean, it, it's one thing to, to raise interest rates when you're just trying to get to neutral. The economy is, you know, is growing, albeit more slowly. It's a whole different ball game when you're already sort of above neutral into restrictive. The economy is is much much weaker, if not in recession, and yet inflation is not where you need it to be. And um, and is you know it's north of even three percent. Now what do you do? Now do you are you committed to your two percent and you continue to raise interest rates even though mm-hmm. it may mean you know um, you know obviously putting the economy into a um, a, a much more challenging position. Do you back off and undermine your credit? I think the Fed is going to be very challenged as we get into 2023. And I, I think the decisions they've had to make this year are going to seem like nothing or, you know, the, the challenges that they've faced, I think, are going to be like nothing compared to what uh, I think they may face next year. Yeah. I mean, I think basically the Fed is screwed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, they're in trouble because what you say, so. Let's say the absolute underlying base inflation rate. I like to look at the Cleveland Fed uh, trimmed mean, mm-hmm. where they chop off the highest 8% prices and the lowest 8% prices. And that number now is 7% inflation. Right. All right. So 7% is less than 9.1, which I think was the last CPI. But 7% is more than three times their target of two. <laughs> right. And that, that's the problem they're going to have. Uh, and recessions don't necessarily. I mean, Michael Zanian, here you're talking about the money supply, and inferring the monetary base, and all that is slowed down markedly after booming. Um, I mean, lags are long and variable. It's kind of hard to figure. It's not exact relationship, but they have they haven't really taken the balance sheet down. The money supply has stopped the last few months. Commodities are down. And the CRB futures I watch is down about, I don't know, 25%, although it's still way above where it was two years ago. I mean, that's the dilemma, Mike. The Fed is going to have to keep raising rates, even though I sort of agree with you that the rate obsession is not good. But they're going to have to keep doing it while the economy is in recession. That's very tricky. Right. Right. I, I agree. And I, I go back and I say they got themselves into this mess 
with yeah. all the quantitative easing that they did and, this, and, and how big. I think its balance sheet grew tenfold since 2007 or something like that. I mean, it just they put themselves in an enormous bind. And, and I think really the, the real warning sign of this was when we were coming out of the pandemic, and, and reversing from that, they still kept their foot on the accelerator. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that was the point. I mean, everything was kind of set at that point. We had had the Trump tax cuts and uh, we had had the easing of certain regulations that had been making it difficult on business businesses. And, and they just should have let us just come out of the pandemic. People were coming back to work. Businesses yeah. were opening up. Things were perfect. And they just kept going. And I don't understand why. Uh, but they did, and then you continued to have a rapid increase in the money supply at that point, and the Fed kept increasing its balance sheet, and I think that's why they're behind the eight ball right now, and and I think that's why uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for them going forward to slow down inflation without getting us into a serious recession. You know, know, Michelle, there's a big story in New York Post today. Larry Summers, who's been so good on inflation— and critiquing federal spending and Federal Reserve easing. But now he says we got to raise taxes. <laughs> Now's the time to raise taxes. Really? What a terrific idea. I would cut taxes to solve inflation. That's what Reagan did. Well, that's, you have to, right? Because we all know it's all about not just the demand side of the economy, but obviously the supply side. And the Fed now does have to – it's limited. Everybody keeps saying, oh, the Fed can't solve the supply problem, the problem with the supply side. And that's true. So they're focused on trying to cool demand to bring supply and demand into balance. But what you'd exactly like to see is fiscal policy helping out on the other side by helping in terms of increasing incentives to increase output to mm-hmm. increase supply by actually, you know, cutting taxes. So you're, you know, when you think about the policy mix, uh, you know, that, that you're going to need and, and how we can help to get the Fed and the economy out of what is going to be a very difficult situation, tricky situation we all recognize, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, the exact thing you wouldn't want to be doing would be to be um, to be raising, you know, raising taxes. I, Michelle- I, the other thing I just was going to point out, too, is the other thing that the markets are dealing with is um, – you know, after a decade of of the Fed rushing in to support markets, anytime the the markets get worried about anything, the Fed rushes in either with easier policy or you know with with programs to support you know buying of of, of uh, treasury securities to support the markets. What's also happening right now is the market the Fed can't do that, and the market is having to adjust. And I'm talking actually more about the fixed income market where you've got incredible amounts of volatility and and honestly unprecedented illiquidity. I mean, there are days in the screens that you know you just, there's no bids for the 20 years. There's been a lot of talks about. I mean, the Fed is you're losing a big support or a big buyer in the market, and the market is having to learn how to stand on its own again, which it hasn't had to do for over a decade because the Fed was always quick to rush in. When there's volatility, they could smooth it over, talk friendly. They can't do that now. Michelle Gerard, head economist, head U.S. economist, NatWest Markets, Mike Ozanian, assistant managing editor, Forbes Media, and co-host of Sports Money on the S Network. Um, Mike Ozanian, what, what does an investor do? What does a poor, average, typical investor do? who's kind of gotten hosed so far this year in their 401ks and their IRAs for their retirement. What do you do here? Maybe look at a sector that's going to get whipsawed, uh, for example, like the banking sector, right? 
focus is generally on the big banks and, and looking at the entire group as, as one collective. And you know, I remember talking about write-offs at banks, J.P. Morgan, and so forth. Well, you know, within that, maybe you could cherry pick. So, uh, you know, my best idea is East-West Bank Corp, tick, ticker symbol EWBC. They're a small bank, $10 billion market cap, but they have a very, very clean balance sheet. Uh, expectations for write-offs, very minimal, strong earnings growth. So maybe you take something there that in, in a sector that uh, is uh, out of favor right now and play that stock. And then, uh, you know, I happen to be, maybe call me a revolutionary, but I happen to think this country still needs energy to prosper. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to, and, and even fossil fuels, uh, if I'm allowed to say that, but uh, so I'll go with I still love Chevron. I've mentioned them before on your show, but I, I think they're uh, an extremely well-managed company. And uh, I, I think it's a great, great long term bet. Mike, don't you know, because it's 95 degrees out today, that we have to end fossil fuels. We have to end fossil fuels because it's hot. It's hot out. I mean, the I fact that no it's wind. July has no meaning to the Bidens. It's hot out, and therefore it's global warming, and we have to end fossil fuels in five years. I thought you knew that. Right. Well, that, and then uh, we're going to get rid of fertilizer, so we all starve. So uh, <laughs> do those two things, and, and there you have it. <laughs> really? I mean, I was talking about that with um, Monica Crowley and Liz Peake. They set this poor guy up um, in, a, in a setting Wednesday on his global warming it looked like a Ukrainian battlefield. That's point number one. Then he says he's got cancer, and when he was driving around Delaware, uh, he had oil on his windshield. I mean, really? I mean, that, that was the sum total of his event for climate change. I don't really think that worked out. I mean, I think that just did not really work out. Michelle, uh, why are interest rates kept falling this week? The two years... Really, two years down 15 bips, five years down 19 bips, 10 years down 16 bips, et cetera, et cetera. What is that all about? Yeah, I mean, as we talked about, I think, you know, with especially the the weak data as, um, you know, on Thursday and Friday, I mean, we, we had the, the weak housing data, as Mike mentioned. I mean, you you know, that you can see the impact of higher mortgage rates are having on, on housing. Uh, the claims numbers suggested the labor market may be weakening up. And then on Friday, we had evidence um, with the PMIs, the, the surveys for both um, services uh, falling into contraction territory um, and services of been a, a, a relative bright spot manufacturing they weakened up i mean the fears of recession uh is, is really what drove yields um lower but you know you made that statement earlier that inflation doesn't i'm sorry recession doesn't necessarily solve the inflation problem right. the markets don't put that together right now as you see the growth fears become to you know, move to the fore that it's because they they think that the the turn down in the economy will solve the inflation problem and again the expectation is that it'll force the fed to reverse course they won't be able not only will they not be able to keep hiking but then you know sooner rather than later they'll end up having to cut rates you know and i just think you know, as i said looking ahead i think it's going to be you know the market is going to have a real rethink on this when you know you do see the economy 
much weaker. But the Fed, because it, inflation doesn't give them, it, inflation isn't following suit like the market thinks it will, and the Fed actually has to potentially keep going. That's not even something that the the Fed, you know that the markets have on their radar screen that you could have this stagflationary situation. The, the market is at the moment is just assuming it, as this data gets weaker, the economy goes into recession. You know, again, we can rethink what our outlook for the, you know, for the Fed. And I, you know, again, I, well, I think we've come too far with this move for exactly yeah. the reasons we've talked about. But look at um, all these interest rates. Take the ten-year note at two seventy-five mm-hmm. or the five, or the two-year note. Two-year note is under three percent now. But Michelle, every every yield is way below inflation. Real rates right. are way below. You own bonds, you're getting killed right now. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, how well, long I'm, can that last? Yeah, I, and again, I, I just think that it's, you know, there's an expectation that the inflation numbers are not going to stay at these levels sustainably. And and, and I will say, you know, like I think we all agree, that I do believe they will move down. I just don't think they're going to come down as fast and as far as the market thinks. And therefore, you, you know, I, I don't think that these levels are, um, you know, are, are sustainable. Like I said, I, I, I don't think it's, they're attractive. I don't, I, I don't think that they'll stay low. I think we're going to continue to have a, a lot of upward pressure on, on interest rates because mm-hmm. I think the, the yeah. Fed is going to have to continue to fight this battle a lot longer and, and mm-hmm. harder than I think the markets expect. And then, Mike Ozanian, I want to come back to Larry Summers. It's time to raise taxes. You know, in the Reagan years, Mike, the, the prescription from people like Art Laffer and Robert Mundell and others was tax cuts and tight money. The Fed should keep the money supply low, keep the dollar high, king dollar, and cut tax rates. So you have uh, slower money growth chasing even more goods. Now, what Summers is saying is we should have slower money growth chasing fewer goods. I mean, I don't see why, why that's that's not counterinflationary. That actually could be inflationary. It's 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 backwards, and I think what I get when I when I tune in and watch, and when I watch your show on the Fox Business Channel, it's economic analysis. When I tune into a lot of other shows and other channels to try to see what you know the what's the buzz is, if you will. It's all very political. And the fact of the matter is, this is not a political issue, or should it not be? Forget about Reagan and Volcker. Go back to Kennedy and his mm. tax cuts. Yeah. The, yeah. He, he was a Democrat, yet mm-hmm. he understood the basic economic principles and understood, as Michelle has pointed out, she used the word incentive. That's that's vital to a pro-growth economy. And, and that's that's what people seem to be missing. You know, you need I, look at the end of the day, I'd much rather have more money in the hands of the great entrepreneurs and small business owners of this country than I would in the hands of politicians. And that's the simple choice of it all. I mean, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And the results of our history have shown us that when the incentives are, are there and we're putting more money, the marginal return that you can earn on each additional investment of capital, mm-hmm. if you increase that, you will get the investment and you will get the growth. We've always seen that. The playbook is there. Why there's such pushback to that, I can only surmise this has become, by and large, a political debate, which it should not be, in my opinion. Well, 
I wrote a book on that subject, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, tax cuts and sound money. But Kennedy's tax cuts, you know, uh, unleashed over. I mean, his he was assassinated horribly, but the aftermath was about five percent growth and virtually no inflation. And, well, and likewise, he insisted, he insisted yeah. on keeping the dollar linked to gold, so the dollar's value was good, and um, tax cuts lowered inflation, and the Reagan watchword was tax cuts and tight money, which was exactly what JFK tried to do. I mean, uh, Mike, have, you listen to Michelle Girard. She's the last supply sider on Wall Street. <laughs> listen to her. I mean, really, I don't – it's just – it's wonderful to hear. I, I would argue that the, uh, the boom put forth with Reagan and Volcker actually lasted well into the 90s. Uh, and, yeah, and that's that's how absolutely. just like you mentioned how long the, the Kennedy boom lasted, yeah. the Reagan boom lasted into the 90s, and then somehow we got everything backwards, and it all became political. The Fed has become far, far, far too powerful in my in, in my opinion, uh, as witnessed by the size of their balance sheet, and uh, uh, it, this has got to be reversed. The trend's got to go back to the way it was. Uh, to achieve long-term prosperity. You two are great. Michelle, I I won't say anything more. I don't want to get you into trouble, (laughs) but you're doing great. You have maintained your bearings all these years. God bless. I I was taught well. I was taught well. (laughs) Michelle Gerard of NatWest Markets, Mike Ozanian of Forbes Media, and uh, uh, Sports Money on Yes Network. You two are fabulous. 